There are three words that I can tell you that will bring some people incredible sorrow and some people incredible joy. And those words are back to school. <laughs> right? The parents may be celebrating. I know the students are not celebrating. But it is that time, and it means that we're going to be seeing all the back-to-school offers. Every store is going to have some sort of offer that you'll come in and you'll get whatever your back-to-school needs are, school supplies, clothes, whatever it is. And it seems that everywhere in our culture that you look, you've got somebody offering you something. And with the advent of social media, there is no lack of being able to find whatever you want, and there's no lack of opportunity that you can offer people whatever you have to offer whether it's Facebook or eBay or Craigslist or pick your social media platform, you will find offers. And so that's exactly what I did. I went out and found what I thought were some great offers. And maybe you're going to want to jump on these. So let's put up the first offer that we've got there. The first offer is a free human-sized hamster wheel. Now, if you want this, you can get it. And he's even going to throw in all of the paper for free. Why he has it, I don't know. Why you want it, I don't know. But he is going to go ahead and offer it anyway. So let's take a look at our second one. This is a wedding dress. Clearly things did not go as planned. And the bride is not very happy. She scribbled out the groom. And she said the, we the wedding dress was worn once by mistake. The dress is good. It says the groom is not. And so she's just offering that. And if you want that, you can take that offer and you could have the dress. I would not recommend taking the groom at this point. And let's go to our last one that is up there. Now this one is hot. If you come and clean this guy's litter box, he will make you pancakes. So his offer is, I have a terrible problem. My litter box is dirty, smells horrible. I don't want to clean it. I am amazing at making pancakes, however. I will trade my pancake skills for a clean litter box. Serious inquires only. So he wants to make sure he doesn't have any goofy people that are calling. And it's amazing. And I'm sure that all of you are just lining up because you want to accept what they have to offer. And it's it just everywhere we look, there are just offers. There's offers online. There's offers in the store. Everywhere in our culture, there's an offer. But here's the question that we really want to ask today. What are you offering people with your life? What are you offering other people with your existence? And I'm not saying your job, but your life, your life as a whole, from birth to death. What are you offering other people? We laughed at some of the things that these people offered because they were really of no value. They were kind of silly. They were kind of ridiculous. So the question is, what is our life offering other people? Because if we want to be all in, it's not just love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, and mind. Remember, it's and love your neighbor. And in order to love your neighbor, you have to answer the question, what am I offering my neighbor? So we're going to take a look at that today. So if you want to open up to 1 Peter 4, if you've got your Bibles, open them up, encourage you, bring your Bibles. If you don't have your Bibles, you have it on your phone, bring it up on the screen so you can follow along. And if nothing else, you can look up and you can see it on the screen. So we're going to take a look at 1 Peter 4. The overarching theme of 1 Peter is that the, it is hard to be holy. 
To live a life that is all in, that is sold out for Jesus Christ, it is hard. First Peter talks that every one of us is going to be accountable to what did we offer other people? What did we offer the world with our existence, however long it is? What are we offering other people? And we will be held accountable for that. So it says this, starting at verse 7. 1 Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as the one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You know, the thing that probably jumps out at you when you read verse 7 is the end of all things is near. And so what Peter's talking about here is that Christ will return. The end of the world as we know it is going to happen. And Peter can say that because Christ has died, Christ is risen, right? The Holy Spirit has come at Pentecost, Pentecost, the ascension. We know that Jesus is going to return. And so what is being said here is make sure that you're all in. Make sure that you understand the end is near for all of us. And the way that we need to make sure that we understand that are three things. He says, be alert, be sober-minded, so you can pray. To be alert and to be sober-minded means that we don't forget who we are. Sometimes we forget who we are and we define ourselves by our jobs. We define ourselves by our kids. We define ourselves by our successes, by our failures, by our titles, by all types of things. But we have to truly remember who we are. We're sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. We are imperfect people living with imperfect people in a fallen world. And we can never think that we are something that we're not. So we are imperfect people, but we also must remember who Jesus is. And he's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. And that we can have hope in the midst of hopelessness, despite who we are, despite who other people are, despite the tragic things that happen in our fallen world, as long as we know who we are and who Jesus is, that we can have hope. And when we have a realistic understanding of who we are, who Jesus is, who the world is, we can then pray clearly. There's so much to pray for that sometimes we become crippled and we don't know how to pray or what to pray for. But when we are sober-minded and we are intentional about understanding and accepting who we are, who Jesus is, we can pray clearly and live in the shadow of the second coming. Look, Jesus is going to come back. That is a fact that cannot be changed. What can be changed is are we ready? Are we living an all-in life? And so what Peter is saying here is know who you are, know who others are, understand the world, pray clearly and intentionally. But then he adds this thing, and it's two words that are really powerful that we don't often like to think about. Peter says, above all, love one another. Above all. Before anything else in your life, above all, love other people. And so that means above everything, above your job, above your marriage, above your kids, 
above your fantasy football draft, above everything, do you love other people? And sometimes we don't. And that's the above all. We have to answer the question, what is your above all? What is that thing that is more important to you than anything else in your life? That nothing comes before this. If it's not loving God and loving others, then we're not all in. And that's hard to hear. But that doesn't mean it's not true. Because Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And if we're honest, we love ourselves above everything else. Right? We're going to love ourselves more than we love anything. But to be all in, we have to say, I'm going to love others above all other things. And, and, and when he says love, that word love can be very arbitrary. Because the way you love is different than the way I love. And the way I love is different than the way you love. And so love can be this, well, I love them. And it's not really clear. But what Peter says is clear. Love each other deeply and earnestly. And you say, well, I still don't understand. How do I love somebody deeply or earnestly? Well, we have to dig a little deeper. And the word for love here that is used is agape. And agape is the love of choice. Agape is not a love of emotion. See, we can love our family members. We can love our friends because it's an emotional love. But agape love says, I'm going to choose to love somebody who may not love me back. I'm going to choose to love somebody who may not even want my love. I'm going to choose to love somebody who doesn't think like me, believe like me, or live like me. I'm going to choose to love people that sometimes may be unlovable. That's what agape love is. But it's not just a love of choice. It's a love of obedience. Listen to what Jesus says. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus gave a command. He didn't give a suggestion. He didn't give an option. He didn't say if it fits right, if it feels good, if it's politically correct. He says a new command I give you. Love one another. He says, by this, people will know you're my disciples. People will know we're all in if we love people. If we love people that don't love us back. If we love people who reject our love. If we love people who will stand and shout at the top of their lungs against everything that we believe in. That's agape love. We must choose to love one another. Our love needs to be more sacrificial than sentimental. We love sentimental love. We understand sentimental love. They have movies and books about sentimental love because we can relate to sentimental love. But what about sacrificial love? What was the love that Jesus gave you and I on the cross? It wasn't sentimental. It was sacrificial. Because he loves us so much that he chose to love us even though you and I are sinners, even though you and I make mistakes, even though you and I reject so much of what God wants, God says, I will choose to love them. See, our lives need to be offering people the love of Jesus. What are we offering people? We can't offer people just sentimental love or love that agrees with one another. If our love and our life is going to make an impact for the kingdom, 
our lives have to offer people the agape love of Jesus. That's what will change hearts. That's what will change marriages. That's what will change kids. That's what will change schools, communities, the world. Is when we, the body of Christ, choose to love people. And when you choose to love people, as it says in here, love covers a multiple of sins. That doesn't mean that love doesn't acknowledge that there's sin. That doesn't mean that love ignores that there's sin, but love covers sin. Now let's talk about that word covers. By the blood of Christ, we are covered. What kind of love did Jesus give us? He gave us a forgiving love, a redeeming love, a transforming love. That when we have the kind of love that Jesus had for us, we will forgive people. We won't seek revenge. We won't seek, well, I'll show them. When we have that agape love, he says, I'm going to offer somebody forgiveness because I know that love has, forgiveness has been offered to me. You and I can have love and forgiveness with God. It's offered to us through Jesus. The offer is there. The question is, will we take it? But instead, sometimes we get sucked into taking the human hamster wheel. Right? We think the hamster wheel of religion or, or good works or morality, that we take that offer because maybe it's easy or it's popular and it doesn't cost so much. But we have to understand that we are offered the love and forgiveness of Jesus and we need to offer it to others. What is our life from birth to death? What are we offering people? And it can't just be, I was a good employee, I was a good student, I was a good athlete, I was a nice person. That's what you do. What are you offering people? What the text is teaching us is we need to offer people the agape love of Jesus, the obedient, I choose to love you even if you don't love me, even if you reject my love. I will choose to love you. That is agape love. By God's grace, our mission team is back from Pittsburgh. And they experienced that agape love. They loved on people and kids they didn't even know. They chose to show kids that they are loved and they are valued by God. They said, this trip isn't about us. It's about us offering the love and the hope of Jesus to other people. Whether they were weeding or doing yard work or carrying kids on their back or playing games or letting kids do their hair, they were offering the love of Jesus. We need to be in that mindset every day, not just mission trips. How do we offer people the love of Jesus? But you have to know what you're getting into. If you say, I want to be all in, and I want to be a Christ follower. And I want to surrender my hopes and my fears and my worries and my anxiety and my concerns. You have to know what you're getting into. Because if you say, I want to offer people with my life, I want my life to be an offering of the agape love of Jesus, your life may not look like you thought it would look. It may look different. And Jesus says this. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. Jesus was clear. To be a Christ follower isn't going to be easy. It's going to be hard. You have to deny yourself. We live in a time where why would you ever deny yourself? If you want another cookie or another 20 cookies, have them. If you want to do this, do this. 
Christy and I, were, we were watching a show the other night, and, and one of the characters said, all that matters is whatever makes you happy, you should do it. And I thought, that's our culture, right? It's whatever makes you happy. Don't ever deny yourself anything that makes you happy, even if it's not what God wants. But Jesus says, look, you got to count the cost. You have to, to understand that if you're going to offer agape love, it's got to be daily. So how do we do that? How do, how do we deny ourselves and how do we offer that agape love of Jesus? Well, there are three ways that are laid out. The first is we offer hospitality. And when we think hospitality, sometimes we think, you know, it's the wonderful cookies and coffee in the back that we enjoy each Sunday. And sometimes we think it's when you have people over for dinner. Hospitality, hospitality is really focusing on the host. It's on, is my house clean? You know, is the food good? Were the guests happy? But it's about me. And sometimes we, we, we get that confused with hospitality and entertainment. But what, what, what was being talked about here is the opening of our hearts. It's the opening of our lives to other people. It's inconveniencing our own schedule for the convenience of somebody else. What will help somebody else? Even if I have to be put out, even if I have to be inconvenienced, how do I do that? See, in the ancient world, they didn't have Motel 6s everywhere you went. So people had to stay at other people's houses because the inns that were available weren't always very safe. There were some unsavory characters that were there. So people had to open their homes to strangers. And sometimes those strangers would pay them and sometimes those strangers would not. It's like if everybody looked at their house as a bed and breakfast and just opened it up to people. That's what the hospitality is here. It's opening your lives. It's the giving of your time. It's the giving of your talent, saying, hey, if I have a way that I can bless you and I can help you, I want to do that. The very first house that we had when we moved here to Omaha, our neighbor showed us incredible hospitality. So we had finished all of the paperwork, signed your life away to buy a house, and we pull up in the driveway and I look, and there's somebody in the backyard. I'm like, we got, we got problems. We got somebody's in our backyard of our brand new house. What's going on? And this guy's back there. And you know what he was doing? He was mowing my lawn. I said, good sir, how dare you? And can you come back next week? He was mowing my lawn. And you know who he was? He was my neighbor. And he says, I knew that new people would be coming in and it needed mowed. And so I thought I would mow it. Wow. Wow. He wasn't even a believer. He just said, neighbor, welcome. We're glad you're here. I mean, that was amazing. And we got to know their family, and, and their daughter watched our kids, and now our kids are in touch with their daughter, and she, she's farming all over the globe through her school. I mean, just amazing thing. But it started with somebody saying, I'm going to mow a lawn. I don't even know who's going to live here. I don't even know what these people are like, but I'm going to mow their lawn. That's offering something. That's inconveniencing themselves. That's what we're called to do, is to offer that kind of hospitality. You know, something that's become very big, and none of us will raise our hands to admit this, but everybody does it. Regifting. You know who you are. Don't look away, because you know who you are. Where somebody gives you a gift, and you're like, oh, great, yeah, I don't like this. I don't want this, or I have this. And you go, no, this is great, and you put it over here. And then when you have to go give somebody a gift, you're like, I don't have anything. But yes, I do. 
And you go and you get this gift and you give it to somebody. Why? Because maybe it wasn't the right fit for you, but it may be the perfect fit for somebody else. And so you say, I'm going to give this to you. And the person who gets it, and hopefully they like it. Well, that, in a weird way, that's the same concept that's being talked about here. Whatever spiritual gift, listen to this. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We need to re-gift our spiritual gifts. Whatever gift God's given you, and everybody here has a spiritual gift. And any time a pastor talks about spiritual gifts, people go, well, I can't sing and I can't preach, so I don't have any spiritual gifts, and that's it. You have a spiritual gift. You may not think it's a gift, but it's a gift. It's a spiritual gift that God gave you, but he didn't give it to you just so you could have it. He gave it so you could re-gift it. If we're going to offer the agape love of Jesus, if our life is going to be an offering to other people, what are we offering? Are we offering them the gifts that God has given us? Listen to what Paul says in Romans. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, mercy, do it cheerfully. Everybody has something that God has said. Will you please re-gift that? Make your gift an offering to other people. And sometimes those gifts, they don't need to be upfront gifts. They don't have to be gifts that you speak or you sing. There's so many gifts. You, you heard them there between leading and giving and serving and whatever it is. Look, we can't create our own spiritual gifts. We can't claim them as our gifts. We can just re-gift them. We all know how to re-gift. We do it all the time. What is your spiritual gift? And are you giving it to other people? Because when we re-gift it, when we offer what God has given us, it's amazing what will happen. People will be blessed. The, the man who mowed my lawn, he had the gift of time, talent, and a lawnmower. And he used his gift. We used to give away bread when I, back 100 years ago when I was a youth pastor at the church I was at. Every guest who came to worship, they got this amazing little loaf of bread. It was the best bread. And all of these people who made the bread, nobody ever knew who they were. And so many people were like, thank you for this bread. It was so good. Can I get the recipe? And it was a way of somebody saying, I have the gift I can bake. And I want to re-gift that to other people. See, our lives need to be an offering. And part of that is opening our homes and our hearts and our time. The other part is regifting the gift that God has given us. And the last one that, that Peter talks about in this text here is speaking into people's lives. Speaking into people's lives, but not, not speaking sometimes what feels like the empty and hollow platitudes that we can offer. I mean, our intentions are good. You know, we, we want to say the right thing into people's lives at the right moment, but sometimes there's just, there aren't just words. But when we speak the very words of God, when we speak God's words, it's different than our words. And see, the more that we're in God's word, when we're all in, we know God's word. And God's word is in us. So when we come to those moments of what do I say to this person as they're going through this situation, it's I don't have to come up with the words, it's I'm going to let God's words speak. 
It's when somebody's struggling, you can say, I can go to Psalm 23. For even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because, Lord, you are with me. We can say that to somebody, and that's going to be more powerful than we saying, I hope it gets better. Or we can go to Isaiah 41.10, where the Lord says, So do not fear, I am with you. Be not, be not discouraged or dismayed, for I am the Lord your God. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It is the word of God that we speak into other people's lives that is offering them hope in the midst of crisis, in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering. Because sometimes our words just can't make a difference as, as well-meaning as we are. And I can tell you as somebody who has officiated many funerals, those who are expected to go home, those who are unexpected and even children, there are no words that I can offer anybody that will change them. But God's word can. And when you share with somebody God's word, you're offering them hope in the midst of a hopeless situation. Speaking into people's lives that the Lord will never leave you, the Lord will not forsake you. Whatever you're going through, God is with you. It is the word of God. It says, even when we serve, we do it by the power of God. Sometimes you can come and it's, the, it's a long day. It's a long week. It's a long month. And all of a sudden now God is saying, hey, I need you to serve. And you're like, Lord, I have nothing left in the tank. I've been working all week. I've been working all day. And, and my kids are stressing me out. And my life is stressing me out. And I got to say, Lord, I can't do it. But what that scripture teaches us, it's not by our own power. It's by God's power. That God will give you the energy to say, I'm going to go mow that neighbor's lawn. God will give you the strength to say, I'm going to take that neighbor some cookies. God will give us the strength to say, you know what? I know we said we were having people over and I'm tired. But God will give me the strength that we can get through it. We don't have to rely on our own strength to offer people the hope of Jesus. God will give us the strength when we're all in. When we say, Lord, make my life an offering to you. Say, Lord, just use me. Use my life. Use my gifts. Use my time. Use me, Lord, as an offering so other people can know your hope. That's what being all in is about. Look, at the end of the day, we open our lives. We speak the words of God into people. We, we re-gift our spiritual gifts. What are we doing? We're offering people the chance, the hope, to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Without the hope of knowing that you can be a Christ follower and be forgiven and be redeemed and be transformed, life will be crushing. Because there's a hopelessness that sets in if you don't believe that you can become a disciple of Christ. Life can be really complicated. I'm not up here saying that life isn't. Relationships are complicated. Families are complicated. Jobs, finances. So much in life is complicated. And sometimes even trying to grasp it, yet alone explain it, is impossible. So hear me when I say you, I get it. Life is incredibly complicated. But you know what is not complicated? The answer. The answer is simple, and it's Jesus. That's the answer. That doesn't mean that life is not complicated and, and are, 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 are challenging or difficult. Or, I'm not saying that. But the answer is simplistic. It's Jesus. That's our answer. Whatever you're going through, whatever we're going through, the answer is Jesus. And if we offer people the hope of Jesus through offering them the agape love, they, I'm choosing to love you 
kind of love. Through saying, I'm going to open my home, I'm going to open my heart, I'm going to re-gift all that you've given me, God, and I'm going to speak the words of hope, the words of God into people, and I'm going to allow God's power to help me serve you, then we're offering people hope. We live in a culture that is filled with hopelessness. And I don't have to remind you, we've all, over the last 12 hours, seen the horror in El Paso and in Dayton, Ohio. There, there are no words to comprehend it. There are no words that anybody can offer any of those families and any of those communities that's going to make them feel better. All that we can offer people is the hope of Jesus. And that's our job. Our job is to say, my life is about offering people the hope of Jesus. Whether you're a student, whether you're a parent, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're single, married, divorced, it doesn't matter. Our lives are to be an offering so people can say there is hope in Jesus that I don't have to go down this road. I can go down the road of being a Christ follower. Make your life an offering. Be all in. Offer people the hope of Jesus. You will change and transform your community, your family, and your world. Three words. Back to school. Nobody likes those words. Some people love those words. But the offers will be everywhere. The offers will be everywhere. You'll be bombarded in the newspaper, online, and in the stores. What is your life offering people? Do they understand the hope of Jesus through you? I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up. And as they, they come back up, I want to just kind of give you three things to pray through, talk about at lunch, um, maybe wrestle with yourself. Number one, what is your above all? What is that thing that is above all? It's, a, it's above your life. It's above your marriage, your kids. It's above your job. It's above, what is your above all? Is it to love God and to love others? Number two, are you a faithful steward of God's grace? Do you say, God, the gift that you've given me, I'm going to go and I'm going to re-gift that. I'm going to re-gift that to my neighbors, to my coworkers, to my family, to my friends. Or are you just holding on to it for yourself? And number three, what does your life offer people? What is your life? Is it an offering to people for the hope of Jesus? Amen?